The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, are you having weather as weird as ours? I'm having very weird weather. I'm, I'm in Vermont. I'm in northern Vermont. And uh, I skied for a few days. And then today, it, uh, last night it rained uh, it got warm and rained. It was 55 here today. It's going to be three overnight tonight uh, and snow nine inches on Friday. Um, I, is the appropriate response awesome? Uh, I, the appropriate response is that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. home either. I'm in Memphis. And uh Yesterday it got into the 60s and I did a 3 hour ride in the rain. Um because when it's in the 60s I can ride in the rain all day. Um yep. and uh today it's 37. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's 37 in Memphis today. Uh in Boston, uh, my feed is full of my friends out like riding road bikes in short sleeves. <laughs> That must mean it's they're almost all 50. <laughs> yeah. They're like high as a kite on vitamin D. They don't even know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad the, the uh, climate is not changing. Right. Yeah. It, it would be a shame if it did. Cause I mean, I would miss this. Yeah. This is like slapstick weather. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Kafka esque. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, what are you going to lead us through today? Well, I'm going to talk about winter. I'm going to talk about winter because it still is winter. Um, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people take the winter off. You know, they put on some weight, uh, maybe, and then they have to dig out of that in the spring. And I also know a lot of people who suffer from seasonal affective disorder, mm -hmm. myself among them. Uh, and for cyclists, um, this season seems like a treacherous one because you lose your fitness and your mind. Uh, yeah. But it's also a real opportunity, I think, uh, especially given, you know, sort of the equipment available today, you know, fat bikes and other uh, and studded tires and all sorts of things that you can do. I saw old friend of the podcast, former co-host, actually, Patria, cool. uh, the, the other day, and she was just over the moon with fat bike rides in the snow. <laughs> that sounds yeah. exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So if, if you're out there and you want to see someone having a great time doing stuff they love, give her a follow on Instagram. She's at skinny tires, which um, is, and she is a wonderful real ride piper. <laughs> What's that? That's wonderfully ironic, you know. Yes, it is. Um, 
Yeah, I was going to say she's a real Pied Piper, except it's not rats following her. It's riders with big, goofy grins on their faces. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, she's been driving her van around, uh, riding in snow in various New England states and loving it. And, you know, this is this is not a remarkable conversation, but sometimes do you ever talk with someone and the stoke coming off of them kind of gets you excited, too? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That has totally, absolutely happened. Yes. Yeah. So it was that sort of conversation. She (laughs) loves to ride in the snow. She loves it. And I don't have a fat bike. I don't think I'm getting a fat bike. Um, But after a few minutes, we were just talking about how important it is to keep moving in the winter, no matter what. Yeah. Like maybe you ride bikes, maybe you ski, maybe you just commit yourself to going out and walking around every day. Uh, when you stop moving, you, you, it's, that's when the bad influences enter your life. Mm-hmm. That's when your eating habits go south, when your mental health suffers. I mean, I don't think you have to love winter riding, but I think your winter will go a lot better if you figure out something you can do to stay active. And I can, I can tell you like from having grown up in Alabama, I didn't grow up skiing And then, you know, early in my adulthood, I didn't have the money to go skiing. And I understand you're like, there's all sorts of obstacles to doing these things. But I think if you live in a winter climate, it really is true. You have to find something or else you just have like 60 to 90 days of dread. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important to have something that is outside. You know, you can do all the Zwift miles you want, and that's awesome and wonderful and entertaining and will get you remarkably fit for the season. But to your point about seasonal affective disorder, you've got to get outside. You have to get outside. You have to, you know, I used to, uh, there was a Danish woman that owned a coffee shop down the street from our old house, and she would say, uh, you know, John, there ain't nothing wrong with the weather. Uh, there, bu- there might be something wrong with your coat. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's true. You know, like uh, it might, uh, it might be cold. It might be wet. It might be whatever. But like, figure it out and go outside. Yeah. Uh, who was the company that said there's there's no bad weather, just bad clothing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's Somebody. that same idea. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I know you were once an avid Nordic skier in yeah, your day. Yeah. How do how do you think of winter now since you don't live in a place with a deeply cold climate? Well, okay, so I miss being a four-season athlete. Um yeah. I miss, you know, you would you would begin the year with Nordic skiing and then you would gradually start logging miles on your road bike and then you'd put away all of the skis. And then somewhere around May or June, the mountain bike would come out as well. And the uh, inline skates would come out. Uh, And then you would do those three through the summer. And then sometime in September, you'd put the road bike away. And then you would do mountain bike races and or cyclocross races uh, on your mountain bike until November. And then you would get the Nordic skis back out. And <laughs> right. I was a, you know, I was someone who had um, relatively well-rounded fitness. Uh, I had an upper body, um, strange but true. Uh, I could actually pick things up. 
and uh, <laughs> I had shoulders. Um, yeah. None of which I have now. Um, and, you know, then there was just the fact that, like, I was, you know, a, a better, more balanced person overall, you know, with the inline skating and, and the skiing and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I absolutely missed that. I've had a question in my head for some years now. My mom suffers from seasonal affective disorder. and She has a, a light that she will put in the kitchen and she will read the newspaper near it uh, mm. to help her. I have one. Uh, um, and, you know, I don't know if that I don't get seasonal affective disorder or if that my heart is so black that any light at all <laughs> is really all I need. Um, I, I, I don't know. One of the data points that sticks in my head is that my last winter in Northampton, I don't even know how many days I taught up at Swift River Inn, but I know that I had a hundred and, uh, I had a hundred and six days on the snow. No, no. I had a, there was 116 inches of snow that winter. I had 96 uh, days on the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I got through that winter just fine, perfectly happy. Um, and so I think that just, you know, even though it was gray and overcast an awful lot, you know, the Berkshires, I, I didn't suffer from it. And for whatever reason, really gray days I, the, the, my introspect, uh, inner, uh, that, that introverted little heart really, I, I kind of like the gray, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, the sunlight certainly, uh, sunlight is one thing and then activity level is another thing, right? Like, so yeah. sunlight is, uh, related to vitamin D and pretty much everyone is vitamin D deficient, uh, in the winter time. Uh, and sometimes you can make up for that by making your own chemicals through physical activity. Yeah. Um, and that's a real thing. I take supplements and I try to get out as much as possible. Like if the skiing isn't good, you know, we put on a pair of snowshoes and head into the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, snowshoes, 100, 150 bucks. Um, you can have a lot of adventure and a lot of good times. Yeah. Um, and now I'm pretty dedicated and it's hard, right? With global warming, the, the weather is, it seems much more uneven. You know, you get these weird temperature spikes, so you have to find things to do. Um, and I just try to keep my mind on like, is today a cross country ski day? Is it an Alpine ski day? Is <laughs> it a snowshoe day? Or are we running? Is today running? Is it riding a bike? Like what is, what, what is, what is available today? And then just doing it. And I don't, you know, I, I don't think that flies in the face of the idea that you should let the field go fallow a bit in the winter. I'm not out there hammering. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just some activity. It's just some activity. It's mm-hmm. just keeping the engine ticking over, keeping the mind at ease rather than, you know. Yeah. Uh, sitting on the couch, eating another sleeve of Oreos and uh, wondering when when death will come for you. <laughs> Wait, I think someone's at my door. Um, yeah. Yeah, I um, I'm totally with you on that. I 
uh, just being outside and moving around. Like I said, even if it's a really gray day, um, that seems to give me whatever it is I need. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, I had a bumpy fall in holidays and, uh, really wasn't riding much. And so a couple weeks ago, I started ramping up my miles and here in Memphis, I've got some issues. My mom was in the hospital for four unexpected days. That was, uh, my, my arrival was awfully well-timed, uh, stunningly so. Um, so there are days where just circumstances, I'm not getting out on the bike, but every day that I can get out, get out on the bike, I'm trying to get out for at least two hours. Um, so I'm really starting to bump my miles up and, you know, I, I think if you do three hours in the rain, it counts as four to four and a half. Oh yeah. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what to say about it, but just being out there more, um, even in nasty conditions, I, I'm happier for it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I would go so far as to say the nastier or more raw experience I can have of nature, probably the better it is for my head. You know, I enjoy a, a, what they would what the skiers call a bluebird day. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's raw and windswept and there's snow in your face too, I you know I like it. I like to I like to encounter nature as it comes. Yeah. And I think and I think being like, you know, not holding yourself out of it um, to avoid it mm-hmm. is good. There's something about being in touch with what's actually going on. Yeah, that I'm with you. There's also the reality, you know, I I didn't come to this through skiing or, or anything else like that. But I realized that in cycling. If I'm going to learn anything else as a cyclist, if cycling is going to inform something else in my overall wisdom as a person, it's not going to come on a 73 degree day. No, I can't learn anything else from a 73 degree day. That bums me out. I can still enjoy those days. Right. But I think I've learned all the lessons I can from a nice day. Yeah, I like that's I like that. I've learned all the lessons I can from a nice day. The problem yeah. is, you know, I I don't want to stop learning, but my appetite for really nasty days, um, yeah, I mean it's higher than my appetite for red meat, but that's not saying much. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a steak, right? You know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I- I think there's a certain level of adventure to it, too. I got on the bike when I was a little kid, and I began to have adventures. The mm-hmm. bike took me places that I had never taken myself before. And the more I rode, the more I discovered. And that might just be, like, the rain culvert behind the neighborhood. Or who knows where you go when you're a kid. And now, you know, seeing bad weather up close, like, in it, is a little bit like sightseeing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're up on the mountain when the snow, when the storm blows in, uh, I'm not saying, you know, I'm trying to do risky things at all, but um, pretty interesting. Like, it's almost like sightseeing. You can be in the same pl- in the same place you might have been the other day. But wow. Yeah. My starter wife and I had a fight once. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean for it to be a fight, but I wasn't backing down and 
she didn't want to back down either, but I had my feet and I left. There was a, there was a blizzard in Northampton one year. I want to say it was like 95. Um, the snow was so heavy. We were getting whiteout conditions. We had thunder snow. That mm. was, that was one of two occasions. I think the entire time I was in New England where I got thunder snow. Um, mm. that stuff's awesome. Uh, and, and to your, you know, point about tourism, uh, you know, right when like the storm was at its height, I put on all the things and I got my backcountry touring skis and I walked down the steps from our apartment and put them down on the grass, which was covered in more than two feet of snow at that point. And I mm. skied off into the campus of Smith College um, and out on the sports fields, uh, I actually encountered vertigo from whiteout. Um, that was, that was an experience I was thrilled to have. Mm. Um, and then I went back home and she was still upset. <laughs> but you weren't. <laughs> nope. I had had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can relate. I, can I mean, relate. I put that experience right up there with the Grand Canyon. I only had a little while at the Grand Canyon, not three days of camping or something, but as mm. you know, okay, I've seen this now sort of. It was the same sort of thing. I had my experience. I, actually, my experience with thunder, snow, and the blizzard was far more immersive than the, my experience with the Grand Canyon. You know, I just looked over the edge. Right. So, yeah, this was, um, you know, that was a proper encounter. I had to put on all the things. All the things, yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> it was, you know, all of like eight degrees and, you know. Yeah. 40 mile an hour winds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I get it. I really get it. And I do think that one of the keys in some ways it's less about equipment than it is about what you're wearing. And I'm going to have an angle on some of that coming up in my poll. Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we should get to it. Yeah. Let's take a break uh, and come back. Yeah. Well, this is the podcast on two wheels and uh, we're going to be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader-supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial, with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back uh, with the pace line. Time for, time for what you got. So after hearing my pick last week of the Castelli Gabba, a buddy emailed me to ask me about riding in the rain and what other tips I have for staying comfortable, or at least relatively comfortable, in the rain. I'm going to begin by saying that other than a fender or two, you don't need any real help above 75 degrees. When it's warm and raining, a rain jacket 
isn't even all that necessary. Above 80, I really don't like them. So my advice contained herein will be concentrated on what to do in the 60s, 50s, and 40s. Uh, I'm not going to advocate anyone being on a bike if it's in the 30s and raining. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't need me to lead you into that kind of temptation. So my first recommendation, this will come as no surprise, is to get a piece like the Castelli Gabba. Um, they don't they don't make the only waterproof or water resistant jersey or jacket, however you want to refer to it, uh, out there. Pearl Izumi offers their Amphib jacket, and Seven Mesh and Giordana offer their versions. Um, and then Sportful, who we like to mention here, has their No Rain line of products. Um, and I will give a little nod to Sportful for offering more different varieties of water resistant and waterproof gear than anyone else. They've got really lightweight stuff. They've got kind of midweight. They've got some very heavyweight stuff. Um, they, their people must do a lot of riding in the rain. Uh, that's, that's all I can conclude. Uh, you know, Northern Europe, what can I say? Um, so uh, to use the Castelli products as an example, you know, I'm wear, willing to wear a GABA down to about 60 degrees, um, and then I will pair one with arm warmers below that, um, above about 67 degrees, I won't wear arm warmers. Um, but yeah, below 60, everything, uh, everything gets long sleeves of some sort. I tend to only wear traditional rain jackets. If it's a training ride where I'll get to pull over to eat. So I pretty much have to be on my own, you know, just riding by myself and I can choose when it is. I'm just going to pull over and reach through the hole or into the big ass pocket or whatever it is. I've yet to encounter a proper rain jacket where the pocket solution was as easy as a regular jersey, which is why I like the Gabba and Perfetto style pieces. You know, it's it's all the function of a jacket, but stretchy pockets in the back like a jersey. Um, why we had to be in the 21st century before somebody dreamt this up, we will never ever know. <laughs> um, all my real insulation, uh, I will say comes from my base layers, even though the, the Perfetto and the Perfetto light are like two different weight fabrics. There's, there's only so much those pieces will give you. Um, all the real warmth comes from, uh, the base layers. So with long sleeve pieces, I wear a long sleeve base layer. Um, I've got them in three different weights and the heaviest when, when con, Bind with a Castelli Perfetto will keep me warm down to 32 degrees. Um, but I have to offer the caveat that I was going hard the entire day in order to stay warm. Um, mm -hmm. Logging base miles at 34 degrees in rain is not something I would do in that setup. I would add yet another something. My next recommendation, I'm going to sound like a broken record and I'm perfectly good with that. Uh, thermal bibs. Uh, <laughs> I, they solve so many problems, and I don't think there is actually another occasion where they pay off better than in the wet. Um, and that's because the Roubaix Lycra in there, the fleecy, um, you know, the fleecy Lycra that they use, um, it will help you stay warm even when that stuff is wet. Uh, mm. And that does you so much more good than just standard bib shorts. 
Um, yeah, we had a pair of those done for us when we had Red Kite Prayer, right? We had a yes. pair of thermal. Uh-huh. I love those bibs. Yeah, yeah, they're killer, and you don't run into any of the problems that you run into with tights or knickers where the pad is already sewn in, because so often they stop at your ankles or your calves or your knees, and the pad ends up hanging a little low. When you go with thermal bibs, you can get them exactly where they need to be, and you can either add knee warmers or leg warmers or not. Um, mm-hmm. So like yesterday when I was out, thermal bibs, no knee warmers, no embro, um, short sleeve base layer, short sleeve GABA. Um, it was. It was pretty good, pretty good setup. Uh, again, it was like in the 60s. I used to be very anti-knee warmer and leg warmer in the wet. Um, as a teammate of mine who had raced in the elite ranks in France once said to me, never wear those in the rain. <laughs> they just soak up water and they just weigh you down. And uh, I thought about that. And one day when I got back from a ride, I took a knee warmer and I filled up the sink and plunged the knee warmer in there and then picked it up and then wrung it out. And I was like, Oh my gosh, she's right. Hmm. Yeah. They, they really will just weigh you down. Um, that said these days with Costello's Castelli's nano warmers, Sportful's no rain, Pearl Zumi's PI dry pieces, a few others out there. Um, they all have, um, a treatment to the fabric. It's not just a spray on coating like a DWR. This stuff is permanent. So, uh, when you're out in the rain, uh, if it's light rain, the water will beat up and run off. Um, but if it's an absolute downpour, yeah, you're getting wet. Uh, but they won't hold water in the same way that other knee warmers or leg warmers would. Uh, my longstanding solution on legs is still imbrication. Uh, I like to use something with mild heat to about 55 degrees, maybe even 50 degrees. Uh, and anything below that, medium heat. Um, I have on occasion mixed leg warmers with embrocation, but it was below freezing and I was on my way up the Col de Lizeran. Um, that's the last time I can remember doing that. Uh, we were what, almost 8,000 feet and it was, yeah, snowing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's the day we arrived in a French bar down in a valley and they had uh, the Beach Boys sloop John B. This is the worst trip I've ever been on. And I played it like four times just for just for the something and giggles. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, that's for extreme circumstances uh, because the capsicum, which gives the embryo its heat, uh, is hell on elastic. So it's not good under socks it's not good under leg warmers knee warmers yeah uh or even just your regular uh bib shorts um now uh where your head is concerned a cycling cap beneath your helmet is my preferred way to go um and ditch the glasses uh glasses just become a liability um in the wet um also wool socks The thicker, the better, and the higher, the better. And with gloves, I tend to go for dexterity over warmth. So I'm apt to pick a glove that is more water-resistant than warm. Um, But I know better than to assert that this is what will work best for everyone. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just... uh, A big, thick glove getting sweaty inside, I tend to get 
kind of uncomfortable from that, and I'd rather deal with tender fingertips for some stupid reason. Well, it's fortuitous that you're bringing that up because I'm I'm going to get to that exact thing in just a moment, uh, vis-a-vis the cold weather. Ah, okay. Um, okay. The, the other th- comment I wanted to make is that as a cyclist and person who works in cycling all the time, I have discovered that the charcoal gray defeat woolliator makes a perfectly acceptable dress sock. You can imagine <laughs> that I don't keep a suit and tie or any really I don't really keep any what uh regular people would call decent clothing in my uh in my uh whatever my my I just don't have that stuff and then I was going to a a party at my wife's work and it was like semi formal and I was like I don't I don't own a pair of dress socks anymore but check out these wooliators they are like, you know, unless my cuff rises up too high, no one is going to know that this is not. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that's um, a, a fitting approach, actually. That's a life hack for all you cyclists out there. Yeah. You don't need dress socks. Just just stock in the Williators. Yeah. Although I've got some dress shoes that I don't think would allow enough room for some of my thickest wool socks. No, no, no. Well, this is the nice thing about the Wooliators is they're thin. Yeah. You know, uh, when it's super cold, I'll actually put on a pair of Wooliators and then a pair of like thick wool socks over and then you're warm forever. Huh. All right. Well, you know, tips and tricks, right? Assuming you got room in your boots for that. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't. That's another thing about winter. Well, winter warmth is that if you compact, if you put on, you know, wool or fleece stuff, but then you compact it so that warmth has nowhere to be. Yes. uh, It doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Encasing your foot in cement would not make it warmer. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I wish that weren't the case. I mean, really? Um. I I tended to dress myself like the kid in a Christmas story when you know he could barely see out of the scarf and his, yeah, arm, her, his, his arms, arms won't go down. down. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I used to personally dress myself like that when I first yeah my that first winter in Northampton. I was yeah. uh, I think the technical term is ill-equipped. Yes, uh, ill-equipped. You know, I I came to Boston from Mobile, Alabama, so I was ill-equipped very certainly, and I was also ill-informed. <laughs> and it's only fortunate for me that I don't really feel the cold uh because I went through the first two full winters without any kind of winter coat really just like a sweater and a jacket just there you go <laughs> have at it <laughs> yeah wow yeah um well i mean that pretty well covers me uh anything you would actually add to that to riding in the rain yeah well cold and rain Cold and rain, I find it cathartic. Um, I don't mind being cold. I like wool stuff in that weather. So, like, if I put on knee warmers, uh, I would put on a pair of wool knee warmers, and they would get wet but still remain somewhat Mm -hmm. warm, and I just wouldn't care. Because when I go out in that weather, I'm not training. I am exercising demons. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um. I, well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 
uh, I haven't really spent, you know, any significant time talking about uh, booties or, or, you know, shoe covers or whatever. That's one of those things that often ends up getting driven by, you know, either what you can find online or what your local shop has. Um, and, you know, most of that stuff is only okay. Um, there are a yeah, whole I lot of times where I'm not, yeah, I, I mean, I actually have a pair of winter road shoes that are kind of cool. Um, but in the end, they're not really that much better than just regular road shoes. Your feet end up blue and numb, uh, kind of no matter what, you know? Um, yeah, I have some good winter riding boots. And I would pick those over like regular shoes with booties any day. Mm -hmm. uh, Velo toes, the, you know, the latex glove version of the booty. In terms of keeping water out, those things can be crazy effective. I will, I will say that. Um, mm -hmm. They are uh, harder to put on than a latex glove by quite a lot. Um, yeah. But uh, they, you know, they do offer something. Um, yeah. You know, so it's I think, you know, in a pinch, you know, you put on a wool sock, you put a plastic shopping bag over your over your foot, you know, between your foot and your shoe. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is a surprisingly effective way to stay dry and retain warmth. It's not the most elegant solution, but if you are in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there was a. Oh God! What is it? Clip and seal, uh, um, uh, a kind of food storage product that has mm. these sticky sheets. And a friend of mine once showed me how she would use those uh, to seal up her shoes uh, when she would go out. And um, you know, it looked pretty effective. I think just that we're having this conversation is partial lunacy, but um, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, we we are copying to the fact that we're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I say I'm not in this weather. In that, in the weather we're talking about, I'm not going out to train. Yeah, like who am I? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not Eric Hyden going to the Olympics. I'm I'm <laughs> nobody. So if I'm going out in that weather, it's because I want to hurt a bit, uh, and that's okay. You know, that's part of like working out the working out the what bothers you, working out whatever. Uh, yeah, I've popped into my local bike shop uh, in pouring rain when it's been 38 and they've said, what are you doing? And I'd say, I just need this. And they say, OK, yeah, like, I get it. <laughs> they think you're crazy until they understand. Yes. Yeah, they know. They yeah. know. Sometimes yeah. you just need that. I was uh, in the late stages of a grasshopper once where, you know, it was, I don't know, 45 and raining. And I turned to another local writer, a guy I knew, and uh, president of one of the local clubs. And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, Dan, you really can't trust our idea of a good time. I don't think anyone should allow us to plan a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you that's know. right. But, yeah. Uh, I, I am not a good reference point for what a good time is. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all righty. Well, I say let's move on to Paceline Picks. Yeah, this will be fairly seamless because I'm, as I said before, I'm up. It's uh, school vacation week, so I have the family. We're up in Vermont. Uh, we're skiing. Um, and just like on the bike, 
I struggle with the right gloves for skiing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sort of like same, same. Um, you know, it's like the same challenge. How to maintain warm, both warmth and dexterity. Yeah. Um, when I'm skiing, I have a pair of mittens I wear on the colder days. But when you're shifting a bike, mittens... Or when you're trying to use your brakes, even then, mittens aren't the best solution. I always want the use of my fingers. So this week, because it's been a little bit warmer up here, I'm skiing in a pair of 45 North Sturm Fist 4 kind of hybrid gloves, you know, where the, you have um, the first two fingers are free, and then yeah. the ring and pinky are in a mitten. Mm-hmm. What would you call that, like a partial lobster? Yeah, it's like a half lobster. Or, yeah. Or- Three quarter lobster. Right. <laughs> it's a gauntlet style too, so it's got the large cuff you can tuck your jacket into. It's got uh, goat leather palm. It's got this merino blend insulation. It's got a uh, like a nice suede snot wipe, uh, and they come with a pair of merino liners. So you can kind of start with the big glove and go to the liner, just the liner alone later if it warms up, or mm-hmm. I often ditch the liner later and ride, or, or ski as the case may be, in just the outer glove. But it's a very, it's uh-huh. like a very warm, very versatile system that I think is good, and because it gives you uh, your um, index and middle fingers, it makes shifting a bike and doing that, that stuff, that fine motor stuff, uh, much easier. Yeah. The drawback is that they're 140 bucks retail, which is real pricey for a glove. Uh, but if you've got that sort of thing in your budget and you appreciate a super warm, versatile glove like that, I recommend that it's a it's a good investment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And well, and it's probably going to last a dozen years, right? Yeah, I've had mine. In fact, the pair I have now, I tore the back open on a chain link fence that was lying across the sort of like leaning into the trail. And, um, so I've got like a, an electrical tape patch on there now, but I'm going to, I'm going to stitch them up. I've had them five, six years now. Um, and even though I tore this one open, I'll stitch it back together and it'll go easily another five years. And I think, you know, if you're riding or doing whatever every winter, that's a fair, it's a lot of money, but it's a fair investment to make. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What have you got for us? My pick this week goes to one of my last tips regarding socks. Uh, Somewhere in the past, I reviewed Pearl Izumi's Merino Thermal Sock, and I raved about how comfy and warm they are. Well, I'm now on my third season with them, and they show zero signs of wear. Uh, The key to its durability is the fact that the sock is actually a blend of sustainably sourced Merino and recycled polyester water bottles. Uh, it's huh. a blend called Reprieve. Uh, and the folks at Pearl are super, super proud of it. I mean, they are working very hard to sustainably source everything, uh, all the materials that they use in their clothing. Uh, it's a hell of a job. And uh, they get pretty creative, I got to say. Um, being the Pearl Izumi lo- equivalent of a uh, location scout, um, that, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that'd be a really fun job. Um, <laughs> not that anyone would ever give me a job like that. That's a separate issue. So compared to their other socks, this sock 
this sock is woven doubly thick, and the flat finished toe means that they will stay comfortable even if your feet swell inside a snug cycling shoe. Um, they come in five sizes, which is unusual for a sock. Uh, right. Usually you're lucky if you can get like one size or the other. Right. <laughs> this, uh, you know, I mean, actually it makes it a little bit harder because like, well, do I go for the medium or the large? Right. You know, if it's small, medium, or medium, large, I know which one I am without, without even looking. Right. Um, this, you'll have to do a little bit of research and maybe break out a tape measure. Um, you know, at $22, that's not cheap for a sock, but I'd rather drop more on a pair of socks and have them last for years and years than spend less and have them fall apart after a single season. I, yeah. I hate when stuff falls apart. It really irritates me. Um, yeah. And so much so that I have T-shirts that date from the Reagan administration. <laughs> Probably the Clinton. Well, no, that's yeah. Uh, certainly the Reagan administration. Yes. Uh, maybe I should be so proud of that. Maybe um, not. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Moving right along. Uh, they come. Uh, wait, I said that came in five size. Um, well, yeah, I'm finished. There will be a link in our show notes. <laughs> This podcasting stuff is hard, people. <laughs> if, if people could see the setup I'm I'm in right now, uh, I, I'm yeah, yeah, at a funny angle, leaning in and uh, praying the internet doesn't give out here. Using my phone as a hotspot, uh, and I'm and I'm standing at a dresser uh, with a bathrobe hung partially over my microphone to uh, cut out the sound of my family. Uh, cavorting about in this yeah i was wondering if they were having a square dance earlier it does sound that way i it does make me curious oh uh well all right well that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line uh how much longer are you in vermont skiing dude i'm gonna ski they uh the family is heading out uh tomorrow i'm gonna stay on my own and ski this storm and then uh, head back and then, but I don't know whether I'll head back for a few days and then come back up or what I'm going to do just yet. But, you know, it's, it's, as I said, in, in, uh, in my opening poll there, uh, you gotta, you gotta use the weather you got. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, I've set a rule for myself that as long as it's above 40 degrees, uh, I'm willing to try to go for a ride. If it's above 50, I'm definitely going for a ride, but I'm going to try to get out. Even if it's wet, it just needs to be above 40. 37 in rain, I'm tapping out and I'm not yeah. apologizing. I have <laughs> to be in that. I have to be in that certain mood to, to go out in that weather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I, it's hard for me to find that mood anymore. I've lost that love and feeling. All righty. Well, that could be, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, alrighty. Well, send us some suggestions. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.